This is Music Ed Amplified. Hello there, you overworked, often undervalued, but nevertheless amazing music educators. You have landed at the Music Ed Amplified podcast, a place for you to put up your feet and be encouraged, inspired, challenged, and supported. We talk about real life as a music teacher. We don't leave out the guts or the glory. How are you guys holding up? Me? I'm doing okay. We returned to our in-person hybrid schedule a couple of weeks ago, and I will be honest, it's taking a toll while, of course, also offering up some big positives. I do love seeing the kids. But there are days when I feel more drained than ever before in my career, and I want to cry. My voice especially is suffering more than usual, most likely due to having to run around the building and push into classrooms and talk through a mask and a shield, which, as we all know, is very, very difficult. At the end of the day, I'm just done. It's like what I call Disney tired without the bonus of actually being at Disney World. I still keep going forward because I have to while I'm praying for supernatural strength. On the good side of things, today's special guest is Jasmine Fripp, the passionate black educator, who I had the privilege to get to know last year after reading her incredible letter called With Love, Letters to My Fellow White Music Colleagues on Facebook. That letter made me instantly hopeful for real change in the profession and eventually led to a series of interviews I was able to do with Jasmine in the late spring of 2020. I'm so incredibly excited to get to her today that I'm just going to jump right into it with very little ado. But I will say, if you're wondering as you listen whether or not you're going insane because you keep hearing a little squeaking sound as we speak, fret not. It was simply a smoke detector that was crying out for a new battery. And with that, I give you the inimitable Jasmine Fripp. Jasmine Fripp, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? All is well. That is well. That is well. <laughs> I'm good. great over here. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, talk to us about how it, teaching is going for you in this wonderful era of we are deep into COVID land. What what things have changed for you? What's How are you handling it? How are students handling it? I'm virtual right now. Okay. And we've been virtual since like since the beginning. Early March. Okay. So you haven't early been March. in school at all? Mm-mm. Wow. There are, I know there are a lot of people who are like that. It just seems like so crazy to me. Yeah. And we've uh what ended up happening was like I'm I'm in Nashville. So we got hit with a tornado oh. like a week before spring break. Okay. Or actually two weeks before spring break. So we got hit with a tornado. They canceled school that entire week. Then the following week, we came back. And two days before spring break started, they said, everyone stay home, COVID. Wow. So going into spring break, we had no idea what was going to happen. But right. we haven't been back in the building since. They started phasing in students. Um, I work in the high school. Uh so a couple of the students were able to go back, those who were like in definite need because of IEPs or just 
physical disabilities. Um, but then the numbers went right back up because people weren't doing their job mm-hmm. and trying to fight COVID. Same team. old song. So, yes. Uh, so, yeah, I've been virtual since March. Um, it's been a blessing and a curse. I will say that. I I've actually, I've actually enjoyed teaching virtually. I get to watch my daughter develop um, at home. Uh, I get to enjoy my new home. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I, I teach a culturally um, responsive general music class, and I teach choir. Now, choir virtually ain't it. Don't yeah, like it. Gotta I be. need to, like, I need to hear those harmonies. But we're making it work. Um, it's crazy because I'm actually building a choir program virtually. Wow. Which is bonkers because I know several other teachers who are just like, nah, we've gone completely general music. I was like, no, I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that I'm not starting from scratch when I get back. So you're trying to build (laughs) some moment, some kind of momentum. Yes, exactly. So my choir kids have been amazing. Um, Of course, we've had to slow down the curriculum because everything's virtual and it's that proximity. People have taken for granted that proximity. Yeah. It means a lot. Um, so um, still reading music, still um, teaching a diverse setting of music. Um, it, it's been great. And we've had a couple of opportunities for like kids to break off and write songs. And oh, the that's whole cool. Yes. So although I'm not like the biggest, like, cheerleader of virtual choir we're making it work now general music class if i can keep that thing online all day honey you're all about that (laughs) i'm all about it because like we're we're equipped with so many more resources sure oh so many more resources i think dr bettina love described it best she was like as soon as COVID hit it was like all these resources came out of nowhere that you never knew you had. Thankfully, I do work at a school where those resources would have been provided to me anyways, but it's just like, it was my, this is my first time being put in a position where all kids have access to internet, all the kids have access to a computer. So it's like, we're doing all kinds of projects, creating magazines, creating short films. It's, it's been a blast. It has been a blast. And having guest speakers being able to come into our classroom. Yeah, it's really easy to do that now. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's been... <laughs> and that's high school. That's, that's high yes. school? Okay. Yes. J- j- let's just clarify. I work um, <laughs> in Nashville, Tennessee um, hey. at Kip Nashville Collegiate High School. Um, last year, I was in middle school. I love elementary school. Um, I've never taught there outside of student teaching. So, yes, but I work at a high school. Maybe I'm just going to have to have you come in and visit my kids one day virtually because we can do it. We can do it. Um, All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. I have one more question about the choir because I just get the sense that lots of people are struggling. Do you feel like you have one or two, I don't know, tips is the right word, but like something that, that you've discovered or whatever that you really like that you think would help other choir virtual choir people yes so for those of you who like don't 
or they're not technologically savvy or mm -hmm. like you don't That's have me. the means to like uh invest in earpieces so you can like hear all your beautiful voices and whatnot what i do is if you go to vocaroo.com and you just have each kid, like each kid can individually record themselves throughout the entire rehearsal. Oh. So you hit record, woo woo. You hit pause whenever you're not singing. You hit record again when you are singing. And you like create a document and it has like the kid's first and last name. Okay. And then it has like a column for them to submit their vocal root link. Wow. So, yeah, you can have them copy and paste the link once they're done recording. So you go to like save and share link and they'll give you the option to copy and paste it. And you just copy and you paste it to the Google Doc that you created. Wow. That's been a savior. And like to keep the kids engaged and so that they won't forget their notes. Like, let's say I'm working with <clears throat> the sopranos on the melody line and I need them to keep practicing. What I'll do is while I'm rehearsing them, I'll record my own vocal room, copy and paste the link into the chat and be like, Sopranos, I need for you to be practicing your line wow. while I'm working with the altos. So, yeah. That's pretty cool, okay. We'll put that yes. on the episode page because yes, it, I keep, at this point I'm not doing any choir but mm -hmm. I live in constant fear that I'm going to have <laughs> and be like, yeah, I yeah. have no idea what to do. So I want to talk to you about approaching Black History Month versus approaching teaching about Black culture, which is American culture, um, throughout the school year. So I have a couple questions. You're just one Black music educator, so you don't speak for the world of, you know, Black educators. But I, I honestly... I respect your expertise. So I want to ask, what are your thoughts on the whole um, about Black History Month? What's a, a good way to approach February in particular while, like I said before, still making sure that we're addressing and presenting and celebrating Black music, Black culture, Black history as part of American history um, and outside of that when, when it's appropriate um, all the time. So when it comes to Black History Month, my personal thoughts, mine, I speak yes. for myself, not the entire caucus of Black America. When it comes to Black History Month, I love the fact that we, the Black people of these United States and around the world, we, we celebrate Blackness and it's beautiful. We are extra, as we would say, blickety black during <laughs> Black History Month. Right. And it's a beautiful thing to see. It is. What I do not like is the fact that it feels like we have been confined to 28, 29 days if it's a leap year. Yeah. I don't like that. And the shortest I, month. I, the shortest month. That That's it. That's it. Uh, all these other months, and y'all give us family. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, that's the story of Black people. We always take, we take scraps, we make soul food, we take rotten peaches, we make peach cobbler. That's just our story. But my history is 365. It's 365, 24-8. <laughs> like, uh, and I, I said that on purpose. Yes. Like, <laughs> uh, Black History Month, the way I go about doing it, 
And thankfully, I work in an environment where everybody is super supportive. They're Black Lives Matter down. They find ways to teach kids about social justice. And it's not just harping on the oppression. They, um, They are very solutions oriented and making sure that the kids know, hey, this is what happened, but how do we move forward to make sure that history doesn't repeat itself? Um, let's get people in to talk about um, how to go about voting and whatnot. So um, my school is very supportive. I teach Black history all year round, period. I teach it all year round. Um, I make sure that um, I make sure within my choirs, there's a diverse setting of music from various cultures, various cultures all around the world. And I don't just teach the music. I go and like focus on the history behind the music as well. Um, in my general music class, I teach a culturally responsive general music class. So we'll talk about a subject. And because my population that I work with is predominantly Black and Latinx, we always talk about how either and or um, Black and Latinx culture influence a specific mm. genre or whatever topic that we're talking about. Okay. Um, as far as Black History Month, it should be a celebration. If you're going to touch on, like, let's say, Negro spirituals, if you want to touch on that, touch on it, move on. Don't sit there and like harp on it. Hey, y'all were slaves. How do you feel? I, okay, how do we move forward? How, how do we move forward? Because black history started way before slavery. Yeah. And it's still going. Right. Like, we like all kings, history. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We were kings and queens before we even fought here. So like, why, why do we need to harp on this 400 years? Have we been affected by it long term? Absolutely. Absolutely. But let's be solutions oriented. Hmm. I like Acknowledge that. the problems and be solutions oriented. I want to um, process something out loud that I thought of as you were speaking. We just mm-hmm. passed Martin Luther King Jr. Day and on social media uh, leading up to it, I saw a lot of people talking about, you know, it's coming up. Watch what happens. Lots of people who don't talk about these issues, who don't talk about, um, you know, the vast spectrum of who Martin Luther King Jr. really was uh, from the start of what he did to the finish, because he, like every human being, you know, grew and evolved in his thinking. But here comes the whitewashed, you know, I have a dream Martin Luther King Jr. Just so like, keep your eyes open for that. So as you're speaking, it kind of maybe I'm thinking like this. If you are only going to talk about black music in February, right, as a teacher, there's a systemic problem with that. So it's like you have to be about it all year long Mm -hmm. and then you can celebrate it in February even more. I got goosebumps just saying that. I don't know why this... Why that, that's this? exactly it. Because I've gotten to a point with my kids, even within my curriculum, where we've already talked about the oppression. Right. We've already been talking about it within the Latin, 
Latinx community, um, Afro-Latinx being inclusive, like we talked about colorism. We mm -hmm. talked about the discrimination. We talked about black-based minstrelsy. And that's we, we year round. About all of that. That's year that, that's year round. So this month we're going to have a celebration. There's only like one one class and we're going to hit this topic and we're going to move forward where we're going to decode spirituals. But it's it's a celebration. We lit all February long. <laughs> we are lit. It is a lituation. So did I, you I just, just make that up? No, it's oh, within I like the Black Webster. It's in the Black Webster that oh, dictionary. Man. So yes, it's it's a lituation. Um, we're celebrating, but yeah, like I it baffles me because ugh, call me naive, call me whatever, because I probably am when it comes to um, this specific specific topic. Um, I felt like we were moving forward. There was some forward movement this past summer. Right. I, I really did. And um, it, it's disheartening to see some educators waiting until now. Sure. To be inclusive when I've been preaching this right. all summer long. I hope that there are people listening right now who even in what you just said and what I just said, maybe they just didn't think about it like this. And that's not good, but now you know. So do the thing. Do the thing. And yes. so we can't do anything if we're not, you know, acknowledging the reality of where we are, where we've been, and then doing something to push it forward. That's what we have to do. And white teachers, we have to start doing this work. We have to. We got to. to. Use... Black History Month to really celebrate and educate, mm -hmm. but it's just should be also distributed all the time, like oh, everything we do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we don't say, uh, you know, March is Dynamics Month. Like we only talk about dynamics in March. It would be that's so the gospel. yeah, so that, preposterous. <laughs> so okay, so I want to ask you this. I remember when um, we talked last time on the podcast, you talked to me about, you know, being a student, what was, what that was like the first time you saw um, a black conductor come in and how that changed your life. And I was wondering, what is it like? Um, Cause it, am I right? You've been in all kinds of settings. Like I think you, you were telling me you were in an educational setting where it was very, there were a lot of white people. You've been in uh, uh, settings where it's predominantly um, brown and black people, am I getting this right? As a student, excuse me, as a student. You know, what is it like to be a black person during Black History Month? You know, it was really hard for me to like think about this, not because it was like traumatizing or anything, but I was just like, what did we do for Black History Month? <laughs> Can't remember. When I was in school. Because like, like you said, like for a second, I went to predominantly black school and then like the rest of the way it's been predominantly white. And from what I recall, like Black History Month, we would talk about black figures and we had to do a book report the end. That's it? And yeah, that's it. The end, that's it. Um, when I was in choir, I don't recall... 
um, doing anything major for Black History Month. The only Black artist that I recall like singing from was Moses Hogan. And if like, um, so of course, you know, that's spirit, spirituals. Right. Um, and then gospel song or concert gospel songs where like you have the accompaniment, which is like hard down gospel, but you still keep that choral tone. Um, we definitely uh, did a lot of that um, throughout the year. So I, it, well, not a lot of that. That was our finale for the concert. Right. The big, um, the big sparkly piece at the end. Yes. Um, <laughs> But it wasn't until like after I graduated or something that I recall um, them like having a concert designated for Black History Month at my school. It was mainly spirituals. And that was when like he gave the Black kids a chance to shine. Like one kid in particular, he was telling me that he had been like fiddling around on the piano in class and it wasn't, and like my teacher didn't like it. He was like, get off the piano, get off the piano. But Black History Month rolls around. Hey, would you play this in our concert? Hmm. Oh! <laughs> now, now it's okay. Yeah. Now it's okay. Okay. And I thought I was crazy because I was just like, well, what did my husband experience? So I asked him yesterday while I was like getting my last minute thoughts together. And I was like, Bay, what did y'all do for Black History Month back where you're from? Because he went to a predominantly Black school. Okay. And he was like, the only thing I remember was us doing book reports. I was like, okay, so I'm not crazy. <laughs> it wasn't just. <laughs> it wasn't just, it wasn't just the predominantly white schools. It was just like right. curriculum, period. Hmm. So I'm just like, like, I know colleges like have Black History Month festivals, celebrations and whatnot, but where I came from, it wasn't treated like such a big deal. Like I know my church, they would have like their celebration, but within school itself, no, it was like, hey, write a book report. You can't write on Martin Luther King. You already know about him. So I think one thing that I preached about in my letter, one thing that I preached about in my presentations is that it's not that white educators, white music educators don't want to. It's they don't know how to. Yes, that's what I, that, I think that is. They, for they don't many know people. how to. Yeah. Um, and, and like even and it's not just affecting y'all. It's affecting us, too, because the way the curriculum is set up, it's like we learn all of this history about European composers and European based music, white people music, right. quote unquote, because I don't, I hate that term, but just to like, yeah, everybody knows what you're talking a, about. Yeah. yeah help Western the listeners. Canon. Yes. Yes. Um, it's like to, you learn all of this about white European men, white European history, the Western canon, Western art music. Um, and you turn around, you don't know how to approach your own people. Yeah, that's... When it comes to music. So, like, me going from a predominantly white institution, a PWI, learning a predominantly white curriculum, 
and then like have it going to a predominantly black area is just like all right now how do I relate to these kids I, I haven't learned it in school the only right. thing I know is Moses Hogan spirituals and of course you know I listen to hip-hop R&B and all kind of different right. genres on my own sure. but I don't really know how to teach the history so it, it's, it's like white people y'all got to realize too like when y'all don't diversify this curriculum it's not just affecting your black kids it's affecting y'all too because yeah. y'all get into these settings y'all don't know what to do and let me tell you something gen z generation z they are outspoken and i love it they they are not playing games they are sick of it they're fed up they're tired of division they are tired of things like not being taught to them and they will speak up and say i want to learn this like i think a lot of music educators are feeling it now but they're sick and like generation z your kids in choir class now i'm sick of learning about spirituals i want to learn about other black music right yeah. and music educators are sitting there like well i don't know how to teach it to you i think we're going to talk about your new venture and mm-hmm. I just went to Maria A. Ellis's webinar, going to one with Franklin. The, th- the thing is, there are resources that are coming, coming to us. We can mm-hmm. do research. We, that's the thing now. So what you're saying is exactly right. It's a matter of um, ignorance because white culture has a stranglehold um, in the fine arts. And... Mm-hmm. But now we know it. So now we know it. We have to do better. So you're, what you're saying is, is so powerful because it reminds me that we're, I hope we're waking up to it. And I'm talking we white people um, and white presenting people because we have to change it. And look, you're saying Gen Z is not putting up with it. The big kids are not putting up with it. And those of us who teach the little kids, this is the next group. You know, these are mm-hmm. the next uh, generation. So we could start, we could change. I mean, we can make a real sea change from elementary school. Absolutely. And I think I, I teach high school. It's just, I love the one, I feel like I can just talk to them. Um, and I love like helping students find their purpose, even if it is at the last minute to them. Um, but I think within this journey to diversifying curriculum, I think the two most important positions are going to be college and like your test makers in college, because we always in America, we always teach to the test Mm -hmm. always. So if the praxis exam, if your music exams don't change, if your objectives within your class don't change then you're going to continue to teach to, to those objectives. Yes, you mm. want to continue to teach those I didn't think about it like questions. that. Yes, in elementary school. Elementary school teachers, you have a clean slate. Yes. If you don't have a clean slate, you have students with slates with either erasable markers yep. or... Permanent marker might be on there, but you can still catch them early yep. where you take Neurologically, some. we have yes, we have the ability to change 
their neural networks by what we Correct. talk about over and but it has to be constant and consistent amen so elementary school teachers are in a position where you can teach diversity you can teach culture you can teach solidarity you can teach love in your classroom and these kids will cling to it they, they will cling to it because they're they have a clean slate they're still learn they're still willing to learn but once you start entering middle school, high school territory, mm-hmm. that slate gets harder and harder mm-hmm. to clean. Yep. All right. So you have a really exciting new venture called the Passionate Black Music Educator. So first Ooh. of all, I wanna I want you to tell me everything about it, what your vision is for it, the things you hope to accomplish, and then if in the, that question, there's a way to talk about how this new chapter for you can address things like practical tips for teachers who are feeling lost. I want to do something, but I don't know how to do it. Specific resources that you can offer. Um, and if you're talking to elementary s- teachers who are listening and, and upper elementary teachers and everybody about Black History Month through the lens of this new is company the right word for it? I don't know if you call oh, it. A, for now, yes. We're yeah, we'll call company because I'm not very businessy, so I don't know. But let's talk about it. Tell me all about it because I know you're excited. I could see it on your face. I yes. I know you've been getting ready. So let's hear it. All right. So if I were to give an elevator pitch mm-hmm. for the company, Passionate Black Educator aims to provide black and brown students with opportunities to learn and advance through music and arts. Um, And I also empower educators to be effective within the classroom, promote solidarity, and ensure various cultures are seen within their classroom. So, but basically what I'm doing is I'm I'm, I'm helping teachers to feel comfortable in the classroom um, and feel empowered to teach Black history, to teach Latinx history, to teach cultural history, like basically decentering whiteness within their classrooms every single day of the school year and beyond. Um, And it's not just education. I'm helping them find ways to create solidarity. So we talk about that social emotional piece because people, we talked about this in one of the groups the other day, like music is a beautiful thing and it transcends all. And like, once you, when you're in rehearsal, you're able to like have those musical experiences where we put aside our differences and we're able to like come together as one for 30 minutes to like a couple hours. But that's, it's not the same for every student because some students aren't able to get past that feeling of feeling left out. Like they're not able to see themselves on the podium. They not, they're not able to see people who look like them within the choirs. They're not able to see um, music by composers that look like them. So long story short, my aim is to like, right now I'm focusing on the educators. I want them to feel comfortable teaching um, any type of cultural history with or music within their classroom so what i do is i not only um present i offer consultations so like you can sit with me for an hour we can go through your entire curriculum see where we can implement 
wow. culture within, and not just black culture, not just Latinx culture. Let's figure this thing out. Um, I, I, and of course, my presentations, I have like a list of presentations I can do. Give me a second. So creating a safe space within your music classroom for black students and students of colors, um, how to diversify collegiate programs. I've already worked with several colleges on like presenting to their student body, presenting to their faculty. Cool. Um, and just really figuring out <clears throat> how can we make this safe, this space safe for black students, students of color? How can we make sure that they're seen within the curriculum? Like where, what, what can we do? And in the long run, they're going to be recruiting more students because once your students of color feel safe, they'll invite other students in and by word of mouth, you'll start to diversify your program. Um, teaching choir and general music in a virtual setting. I have navigated those waters and I've gone through trial and error. And I feel like I'm now at a place where like, I don't mind sitting down and giving you advice on how to run choir or how to like create a general, a culturally responsive general music um, program. Like I've created my own curriculum wow. for this year. And it's, it's been amazing. Uh, using music and academic spaces to promote culture. I gave a presentation on that back in November and it was so much fun. I worked mm -hmm. with math teacher, science teachers from oh, that's great. high school and I, high school, elementary school. And I just provided them with activities on, okay, here's how you um, use music within your classroom to like complete or create an assignment. And without you even thinking too hard about it, you've already implemented culture, right? You, you've shown culture through the use of music, um, how to approach black music, um, using general music to recruit choir and performance students. Because okay. people don't realize like, I, as a matter of fact, I lied. It's another thing with colleges. I think colleges do an awesome job of teaching you how to teach performance, teach towards having performance ensembles, but I don't think they do a great job of preparing those who like want to go into middle school, want to go into high school. And they're thinking, yeah, we're going to have all the choirs. You're going to have a set of kids who just uh -huh. resist. Yep. You're going to have a set of kids who just resist. So now they're just like, I don't know how to teach general music because throughout my entire collegiate career, I've been taught to teach performance and that's fine. That's why I come in. So we figure out what it is that you like about music. And we say, okay, now that we figure that out, let's build out your curriculum for the entire year so that you feel comfortable um, teaching general music and still finding ways to recruit from your general music classes. Um, as far as me doing consulting, I work with secondary music educators to create that curriculum um, create performance curriculum and general music curriculum, and I guide collegiate programs to um, creating diverse curriculums. Um, awesome. Of course, I do voice clinician, but yeah, right now I'm just focusing on educators. Um, I have a list of goals. So um, in the near future, like within the next month, you'll be seeing a whole lot from me. Um, you'll see shirts, you'll see demo lessons, um, and it's not going back to shirts. It's not just shirts for passionate black educators. Right. Um, I'm actually about to venture and within like the next week or two, you'll see me open up a Facebook group called Solidary Superheroes. 
Um, yes. So it's everybody join. Yes. Everybody join. <laughs> and it's like, we're getting down to like, there's groups out there that really like provide you with those resources, but we're like getting down to the nitty gritty of like, okay, this happened to me in school today. I'm not really sure how to go about doing or dealing with it. Super like, practical I, on the ground. Yes. Yes. Like hit the ground running. Like, we, let's talk about this. How should we navigate this issue for you? And I'm of dancing because we'll I'm excited. Yes. And of <laughs> course, we'll talk about like resources and how to implement diversity within your curriculum and whatnot. But the main aim is to make sure that teachers are promoting solidarity within their classroom. So I'm super excited about that. Um, you'll see me demo a couple of lessons. Um, I'm actually going to drop a video like later this week. Um, and it talks about how I taught Western art music, AKA classical music to black and brown kids and how I got them interested in it, how we went about learning about it and then how we also implemented culture into mm. it. Oh my word. Fantastic. Yes. I, that lesson for me was everything because like the kids didn't really realize like, although like we try to decenter whiteness, um, they didn't realize like how much classical music has been used within pop culture, popular culture. Um, and they never realized like what impact black people, Latinx people have had on classical music or Western art music. They never really realized that. So I'm going to be like having demo lessons to put together, put together and like putting it out on Facebook and whatnot so that the teachers can see like these are the type of lessons that i'm creating speaking of lesson plans i'm going to have some lesson plans for black history month but i'm also going to help you later on in the month continue right. that journey i think that's important like if you weren't able if you i lie because we were all able <laughs> if you did not teach black history up until february okay all is forgiven. Yep. Now let's, let's make forward. sure you continue <laughs> after Black History Month to continue allowing Black culture to be seen within your classroom, cultural period to be seen in your classroom. So I actually have this amazing activity that I'm going to present called Grammy Fantasy Football. And it oh. worked out. Yes, it worked out perfectly because um, the Grammys was technically supposed to be next Sunday, mm -hmm. but they pushed it back because right. of COVID. So it's like March 14th or something. Perfect. So like, I'm going to be ready. providing, yes, teachers, listen up. make sure you're following me um, because I'm going to drop this curriculum and it's so much fun. Grammy fantasy football. Just be on the lookout for that. Um, I also have at the end of February, I'm going to be doing a cooking class. What now? A cooking class. So let me tell you. So <laughs> during Latinx Heritage Month, I realized within my curriculum, because they it, September was just, or no, it wasn't September. October was just weird. It was just a weird time. It was a weird time. The schedule was weird. And I realized that I needed to teach like one more lesson. I was like, dang, what am I going to teach? And I like, I had everything mapped out up until like the last day. So like, I was like, what am I going to teach here? And I was like, oh, I do a cooking class. Hey now. I looked up a popular Latinx dish, elotes, which is Mexican corn, Mexican street corn. Listen, whew, I love it. Oh, my elotes is on point. Like, 
That's awesome. It's on point. So what I ended up doing is I invited all of the students and teachers, faculty, and staff to um, come participate. I gave them a list of ingredients and where I just taught them how to make elotes is something really easy. But the whole time I was cooking, I had songs playing in the background. Oh. I had Latinx based songs playing in the background. So like I would talk about, or I would like walk them through the um, recipe and I would like drop a fact about each song. And That's awesome. Would, yes, while we were eating the elotes, I had Kahoot going and whoever won the Kahoot game. And it was based off of all of the facts I dropped. I talked about the history of corn, where it came from, talked about Carlos Santana that talked about um, the Queen of Salsa, Cecilia Cruz, or Celia Cruz, sorry. Celia Cruz, yeah. Celia, get me together, because I'm <laughs> getting me together. Celia Cruz, um, and it's just awesome. Oh, that's it's so awesome. cool. So I'm actually going to venture out and um, do a cooking class, Black History Month style. And that way, um, like, I show teachers how to set it up for their kids, um, and I provide them with lesson plans. And on top of that, like, we're going to play Kahoot, and the person who wins, they get $25 gift card. And on top of that, they get a one-hour consultation with me. Oh, my um, word. Yes, yeah, so I'm super excited about that. I actually have a cooking class coming up next week um, because I, I took the Latinx cooking class and I turned it into like a quarterly thing. Yeah. Um, but we were able to do it in December for unforeseen circumstances. So um, we pushed it back to next week and we're learning how to make ramen noodles. Well, you're hitting so, all the stronghold favorites. It's like, yes. ramen. Oh, my word. Yes. And I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do for Black History Month because I was like, I'm stuck between plantains and joloff. I don't <laughs> oh, know. Plantains, oh. plantains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm almost there. But yes, I actually have um, Darita Seth. He's an amazing... Listen, Darita is dope. He is so dope. How um, do you spell he's that name? D A R I T A Seth um, S E T H, of course. Right. Um, but he's a, he has a gorgeous voice. He plays piano. Um, he has his own like he. Darita is awesome. He is so awesome, and he's been so gracious. Like I, the same way that white people feel about black culture is the same way that I, like I look just like y'all asking all these questions when it comes to Asian culture mm -hmm. and Latinx culture. Cause I'm just like, I was never taught it, but yeah. I'm putting myself in the fire. And I love it. Um, the, I gotta, I gotta learn it because I want my kids to be able to see themselves. <laughs> so my kids, um, they eat ramen noodles all the time, but they just like take the right. cup, put the water the in it, heat it up. And, and it was like, nah, like at first we were just going to, do like learning how to make ramen from scratch. He was like, that's going to take a couple hours. I was like, we ain't got a couple hours. He's like, so we're basically taking ramen um, and we're spicing it up to where it tastes and looks just like the authentic thing. Right. So, and we're going to be talking about music in the background and all of that. I'm just like, that is, is so, so cool, dope. Jasmine. Yes. I'm super excited about all of this. And I really hope that y'all, 
stick along for the journey because it's going to be a crazy one. But yes, those are all the things I have going on in the near future. In about one to two years, like the ultimate goal for me is to open my own school. That's always been the end game. I'm turning 31 in April. So I'm going to open a community school. And then by the time right. I'm 40, I'm going to open up like a school school. So it's going to be a um, performing and performing art school and athletic school. Wow. It, yes, that's the vision. And like people are like, what, why are you talking athletics? Like I want black and brown kids and who have, everybody is welcome, but I'm going to be catering and promoting towards black and brown kids. But anybody from, yes, you can come on in. Uh, I want them to come in and feel like they can safely hone their craft yeah. without judgment of the world. And you have a body of people who like authentically care about them. Like that's the goal. For mm, me. I love um, it. So like right now I'm focusing on educators in about a year or two, I want to start hosting like major events for black and brown kids to come in and like have master classes, figure out, okay, what is it exactly that I want to do with music? Um, having some type of honors choir that like is for black kids and right. it's like strictly black composers. Like mm-hmm. I, I see that happening within like the next year or two. And then like having different arts based events as well. But then like the end game has always been for me to open my own school. And that's been my end game since I met Jeffrey Redding. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, as a black kid, never saw a black person in front of the classroom until like you came along. Like I had a student teacher, but he was a student teacher, like someone of his magnitude come along. And I need for more black kids to experience that. And now you're going to be that person. Don't do that. Cause I'll cry. You're going to be that person. <laughs> <laughs> and so I might've missed this, but you would also come in if like a district needed a speaker for the whole faculty or for the admin, oh, right? Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that has to be part of what you're doing to kind yes. of, mm-hmm. so let's so get that done, happening. Yes. I've done presentations for colleges. I've done presentations for like education or music education um, organizations. Um, I did um, the, it was like, the, I can't, it's A-M-I-S. I can't remember like yeah, exactly. Yeah, the international yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I, yes. I, yeah, I did a presentation for them. Oh, fantastic. Um, back in, I turned it in October. It was released in November. So, yes, like, I'm more than capable of presenting to districts. I have sure. no, I want to. Because I'm working with the educators now so that they can start to change their mindset. Then I'm going to come back and grab the kids and we're going to rock this thing out. Like, that's that's the overall thing with this like I, I want educators and people are like well, why don't you go save the kids first like I want educators to fight to keep that solidarity or even start building that solidarity within their classroom I want them to feel empowered and comfortably teach about culture within their classroom and if I can get the teachers doing that then I got more teachers working with the kids yeah. And, and you're reaching kids, more kids. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my thought process behind everything. Work with the educators first. Go back for the kids and create those events and stack up some bread and get some 
yeah. ramps and stuff for the kids and then open the school. So Oh, I love it. And the crazy thing is, it's like there are three things that took place that ended up building the passionate black educator. And the reason for those who are why why don't you call yourself the passionate black music educator? I teach more than just music. I teach yeah, like I love music. it. So um but three things. One, the way I was brought up in education, I've I've talked about that. Um two Continuing education, going to my master's degree, there was one specific class, absolutely loved it, um, where we talk about current issues within music education. And our goal was to, or the first step that we took was to write down every single issue that's bothering you in music education. My partner, I, I strictly said diversity in music education. That's a problem for me. Um, but there was no one and none of the speakers that he bought in um, were capable of talking about the diversity within the classroom. And like even down to the teacher himself. So I'm just like, okay, I could get up in front of everybody and talk about this. Um, so that, that was when at first, like, that's when I realized like white teachers don't really know. Right. Um, and then last but not least, that letter, like at the end of it, I'm just like, I believe in like a, bringing up a problem, but also like working to find solutions. So if you want to talk to me, uh, blah, blah, feel free to inbox me. Y'all, I, I, I thought I was just, be, it was like one of those things where like <laughs> you offer somebody your food, but you know they want to say no. Right. And they turn and around then, and say, actually, I would like a fry. I'm like, I was just being nice. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then 100 people want the fries and then 2,000 yes. people. And then. Yes. And like legit people from all over was just like, thank you so much for opening up this opportunity for me to talk to you. I have this question. Like, I, you can ask my mom. I stayed on the computer. I yeah. stayed on my phone for like 72 <laughs> hours. And like, I even remember. now I still get questions and people are like, can we have you speak here? Um, I have a question about this and I'm giving like video responses, um, typing people. Like I stay up doing just that. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm like, dang, there's really a need for this in music. Absolutely. I was like, okay, but I'm kind of <laughs> passionate about it. I really am passionate about it. Like, this, this is important to me because at the end of the day, this affects our kids. So I, I've been answering questions ever since. Right. Then, and I have no problem with it. I believe vulnerability and transparency um, is definitely healing medicine. So I, I have no problem with it. And basically that's where Passionate Black Educator um, was birthed out of. And I think I actually signed it down at the bottom of the letter and didn't even think about it. I was like, sign a passionate Black music educator. Love it. So that's where this came out of. So I'm, I'm super excited about the initiative, super excited to enter people's districts and classrooms and like just preach the good old gospel and like help really diversify this curriculum, one yeah. classroom at a time. For anybody out there, I don't think you could have listened to this episode and not gotten excited and heard the passion and the enthusiasm of who Jasmine is. And I hope 
you will yourself take advantage of these new things that she's offering because they are fantastic. But I also hope you will share it because, as I always say, kind of at the end of the episode, grassroots is the way we have to work right now until things go viral or whatever it is. You telling another educator, telling another educator, writing to your admin and saying, you got to bring this person in if we really want to change. Um, I hope that if you're listening, you will do that. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Yes, I actually have a couple of tips. Let's uh, do it. Just for, yes. Like, so Black History Month and all the other months far <laughs> near. And 24-8, so, as we said. Yes, 24-8, 24-8. couple of tips. One, when it comes to Black History Month, um, if you're going to talk about the bad, if you're going to talk about like police brutality, if you're going to talk about, if you decide to have that conversation, do not linger on the oppression. Mm -hmm. Do not stay in that realm. Like say it happened um, briefly, like maybe a five minute convo. But after that, like do not linger on it. There's too much good within Black history for you to just linger on the bad. Um, If you discuss the bad, be solutions oriented, please be solutions oriented. One thing that I did earlier this school year is we talked like I start with um, elements of music that I go into Latinx culture, Afro Latinx culture to like bridge the gap between black and um, Latinx kids within my school. And then we venture off into black culture. So it's like a spectrum. We were creating e-magazines that promoted diversity within Latinx culture, Afro-Latinx culture. But one thing that we talked about was, you know, diversity and inclusion and how to like look for these within companies, like to see if they're really about that life. So we looked at diversity and inclusion statements from like Chick-fil-A, from Starbucks, from Nike, from Adidas. We looked at all different kinds of companies um, and my goal for them, the goal for the students was to create their own diversity and inclusion statement and talk about like how your company is going to, back, how your magazine company is going to back it up. So I, I bought up the fact that there is colorism, there is racism um, towards Latinx people, towards Afro-Latinx people, but I also required my students to find a solution. I love it. Always be solutions oriented. Um, I, I'm going to push. I am going to push for white educators to try music outside of spirituals. Absolutely. In the year of our Lord 2021 and Black History Month, I'm going to push my white music educators to find music to perform music outside of Negro spirituals because we have so much music. Maria talked about this in her presentation yesterday. We have symphonies, we have operas, we have ballets. Of course, you have your African songs, you have Motown, you have hip hop, you have R&B. You, like there are, there are genres of music and that's, one, that's another thing I forgot to tell you about. So during Black history, I'm going to post every single day 
and introduce y'all to, or not even introduce, like talk about um, musicians from genres that really aren't like heavily discussed within classrooms. So I'm going to be talking about jazz music the first week. Every single day you'll see me post a jazz music or somebody who's like heavily influenced by jazz. The second week I'm talking about country music. Ooh. I'm talking about country music because people don't realize like if it was not for black people, if it was not for Latinx people, mm-hmm. country music would not exist. Ooh, I can't wait to learn about this. It would not exist. And like even in my um prep and in intellectual prep work towards like teaching this to my kids, like I was amazed. I was like, oh, <laughs> so we are deep, deep in this thing. So like that like I'm gonna have every single week is gonna be something different. All right. For um Black History Month. And you'll see that on my personal page. Uh, you'll see it in like the I'm a choir director group and all the other groups and whatnot. But yeah, like try your hardest to like come outside of the spiritual realm. And it shouldn't like, be hard. It shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be because there's we have so too much influence music. and too much music, yeah. Too much music. Like it's very hard for you to find genres of music that was not either influenced by Black people or the foundation of it wasn't laid by Black people. Absolutely. Like, good luck finding it. Like, Celtic (laughs) music, maybe. Yes. Celtic music. (laughs) Y'all got that. We have, of course, hip-hop, R&B, blues. Like, it's so many genres of music. Mm -hmm. Let's try to come from spirituals and diversify your music and last but not least this is a great opportunity for you all to bring in scholars bring in scholars like one thing that i preached or i felt like i was preaching in my letter and in presentations if you don't know hire someone it is okay like your students will not think any less of you if anything they're just going to be like oh man this this is really cool that we get to work with someone else not saying that they don't like you as a teacher right like sometimes breaking up that monotony within your classroom is great so now is a great time to bring in black scholars perfect time perfect time introduce your kids to um hbcu choirs historically black college university choirs like your Aeolians, your um, Claflin, um, TSU, Jubilee Singers from Fisk. Like now is a great time to like bring in those scholars. But if you're going to bring in those scholars, y'all pay them mm-hmm. the fee that is requested. Do not shortchange them. Pay them the fee that is requested from them. Now is not the time. Well, we really want to diversify the music program, blah, blah pay them yes pay them so yes those those are the tips that i have as far as resources um of course i'm more than willing to send you a list of resources but you got me personally i'm more than willing to sit down have a consultation with you i'm going to be like given a bunch of free resources via facebook um from quotes to like small blurbs about different african-american artists not just composers not just opera singers but like from various genres of music. Of course, you have Franklin um, Willis, who just did a presentation. I got to take a look at that. Um, Maria A. Ellis, she just did a presentation yesterday. I only saw like the first half of it thus far, but by the time y'all listen to it, uh, I have watched the whole thing. (laughs) Um, But yes, like- There are resources. There there are resources. And um, I have not checked the site 
I have not checked out the um, site since this place opened, but the National Museum for African American Music just opened up last week on MLK or earlier this week on MLK. Where, was, where is it? Nashville. Oh, I've never heard of it. That's why okay. I hate <laughs> the world has shut down. So it's right there, but you can't go see it. <laughs> exactly. Well, everything is over here. The Country Music Hall of Fame, the Grand Ole Opry, the Ryman Auditorium. Like, I just taught my kids about country music and Black people's influence on it. And they was like, I want to go to the Grand Ole Opry. And I was like, well, the world is shut down, so we can't go. And I'm sorry. <laughs> right. So, like, yeah, we have everything here in Nashville. But what I was saying about the um, National Museum for African American Music, I'm pretty sure if you look on the site, and I'll double check, because I know that I'm probably going to have some speakers from the museum because I got connections. Awesome. In and talk to my students because I really want my students to learn a lot about Nashville and Black music. Sure. I'm not well-versed in it because I'm not from here. So that C teachers, I, even me, there are things that I don't know about. So I'm just like, hey, can you Reach come out. talk to my kids about yeah. this? I would encourage you to reach out to see if they have anything to where like speakers can come into your classroom. I don't know if they have a virtual tour or whatnot, but there are so many things you can do there. And they have like a list of resources to, I believe on their website. So go check that out. All right. So I think one thing is if you know one thing about teachers, we love merchandise. Amen. Okay. We love a tote bag. A shirt, mm-hmm. a hat, a denim jacket. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know that anything gets teachers more fired up than practical resources. And you, even just in this interview, not even seeing the things you're going to be sharing, it's like my brain is like, I don't, and this is exactly what we need. There's, there, even if I limited it to February, there's no way you can fit all of that into February, which is exactly the point, right? Mm -hmm. You know, this needs to be every month all the time. Um, And we have to be passionate about this as passionate as we are about art music and about, you know, we have to diversify this. And so thank you for this work that you are doing. I'm very excited. I think I don't think. I know it's going to be great. So, Jasmine Fripp, thank you. Anytime. I appreciate you, and I'm excited that your gifts are going out into the world. So, thank you. Thank you. This has been always a blast. Listen. I was so blown away during my conversation with this passionate black educator. Could you tell? The one huge takeaway for me was that we as white teachers have to be about presenting black history, culture, and music throughout the school year. I'm so excited to see what Jasmine is going to be bringing to the table for educators. Let's get the word out. One way to do that, of course, is to subscribe and rate the podcast and share it out so that more and more educators can hear these ideas and words and share out the passionate black educator and other black, brown, Asian, indigenous, and teachers of color wherever and whenever you can. Have questions for me or want to send in questions or comments for me to talk about on air? 
send them to musicedwithmissy at gmail.com or reach out to me on Twitter at DocStrong26, Instagram at musicedwithmissy, and the Facebook page, musicedwithmissy. Our podcast is co-edited and engineered by Jeremy Strong, who, along with our son Owen, wrote and performed the music for the podcast. Again, I can't tell you how much I would love it if you would share this podcast with friends and colleagues, and if you would be willing to subscribe and rate it wherever you listen, well, that's just going to do even more to help us get the word out. Thank you for spending time with me. You are a busy person, and life, especially right now, is demanding a lot from you. I hope that it was worthwhile and that you are motivated to reflect on your philosophy and practice. I'll see you next time, but until then, keep doing all you can to create a more musical, thoughtful, and just world for your students, their families, and for your community. Music